And I would encourage you, if you're looking for opportunity, um, look at somebody who might be in need and say, what could I give? You know, yeah. because there might be opportunity. There's opportunity everywhere. Everybody has a problem. And if you can be a resourceful person, um, you can maybe maybe create a solution for that problem that will also benefit you. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's guest on the podcast has an unbelievable story. Riley has experienced so many challenges in life, both good and bad, at a very young age so far and has prospered into a financially free investor that is an inspiration at the very least. His why for real estate is one of the most powerful reasons I have ever heard. Please listen to this episode the whole way through. Riley teaches so much next level advice that is worth its weight in gold. In this episode, we chat about Riley and his wife's story, a few of the very creative real estate deals that they have done, that has propelled them into their big picture visions, elevating the human experience with real estate, and so much more. There is so much to take in in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 85 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting with Riley Knox, an absolutely incredible central Maine-based investor, as well as real estate agent with an unbelievable story. Riley, what's going on, my man? I'm super excited to have you on. How's everything going? Super excited to be here, Kyle. It's a great day in central Maine. The weather's good, so that's why I'm <laughs> taking the call outside. Um, I'm always in a great mood when the weather is good. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's, I always used to... Um, like make fun of people who are always talking about the weather. Um, but now I would say that's like one of the things that I do now with my, <laughs> with my financial freedom, right. Is I always yeah. look at the weather and, and when it's going to be nice, I just, I make plans to be outside in it kind of regardless of, of everything else. So of course, man, you know, it's, it's the little things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of funny. Uh, it's funny you say that. Cause like when you first hopped on the call, I saw like the nice blue sky behind you and like the green grass. I'm like, this dude's living his best life right now. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, my office, um, my office, if I, if you call it that, um, <laughs> in the, in the winter, I work inside the house, but in the like spring, as soon as I can like stand it outside with a jacket on. Yeah. Um, so probably April 1st, um, we've got a three season porch that I'm, I'm out on. My office is out there eight or nine months a year nice. um, and my mood inc immediately increases. So definitely there's probably some kind of like study or something like that out there of like productivity and like, like ambient weather temps and like mood. And I don't know. It, it sounds like something cool to check out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say so. And I just, I work on, and I don't know if this is healthy, but I, I work more, I work longer hours because I enjoy the environment that I'm working in. So yeah. it, it doesn't feel as burdensome to work because I'm, I'm outside. I, we've got wind chimes and bird feeders and it's the just whole nice. shebang. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. So let's jump right in, my friend. I'm very excited. So to kind of like jump right into things, 
you know, kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, like your real estate story and like what kind of got you into it and gave you that, that entrepreneurial spark and, uh, and yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, well, let's, I guess let's start with before real estate. Um, I went to a Maine Maritime Academy, which is a maritime college. I studied <clears throat> marine systems engineering and I was studying to get my, uh, I have an unlimited tonnage U.S. Coast Guard license to be an engineer uh, on an ocean-going vessel, right? Tankers, cargo ships, that type of thing. Um, that's the path I was headed down. Um, had a couple of things happen when I was in college at sea. Missed my grandmother's funeral. Had a girlfriend leave me. So decided that the life of shipping for a person like me, I'm a really relationship-oriented person, really family and friends-oriented. So being at sea was not a super healthy um, experience for me mentally and emotionally. So I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, I met my wife in college um, and married her a week after graduation. So I knew I wasn't going shipping. It wasn't really the life for a family. I got a job right out of school working for the Department of Defense mm -hmm. as a nuclear test engineer. Um, and that was fun for for a little while um i did that for a year and a half and it it, it was challenging at first but it, it was government employment um so for anyone who's familiar with government employment um it's really structured there's not a lot of room for individuality um and i've just i've learned that like i'm not a person who does well with a boss i'm, I'm not um and i did well with the department of defense and everything uh but um so I guess we'll put a pin in the story right there and go back and discuss my real estate journey. My wife and I, um, when we were engaged, we're working through some debt, right? Like kind of Dave Ramsey style, debt snowball, trying to pay off some debt. Um, my wife <clears throat> was living with a family member at the time, really cheap, like almost in exchange for nannying, just really living cheap with a family member. Uh, and she wanted a house. She really wanted to live on her own. She wanted a house. We're working on Dave Ramsey style budgeting. And uh, like, babe, it just, it doesn't make sense to increase your living expense while we're trying to pay off this debt. And what we came to, we knew nothing about real estate investing, nothing about cash flow, nothing about rental properties, nothing. I couldn't even speak the language of real estate <laughs> investing. But the only thing we came to was like, well, babe, what if you bought what if you bought like a duplex or something where you had a tenant and then it, it would be cheap. It would be, it would be cheaper to live there because you'd have someone helping you pay the mortgage. So we kind of agreed on that, started shopping for a multifamily home, uh, found a three unit that my wife really liked. Again, nothing about cash flow. had no idea how to run the numbers. <laughs> bought a three unit because we liked the neighborhood. Uh, my wife bought it, I should say. Um, that was my senior year in college. Um, about nine months later, we got married and I moved in with her. And that's when the light bulb started going off for me, right? Mortgage payment would come in the mail. Rent checks would come in the mail. I could pay the mortgage and the heating bill and the lights with the rent. And we were pretty much living for free. It didn't take long for us to connect the dots and say, hey, 
what if we didn't live here, right? <laughs> then we would be making money. So we actually moved back in with that family member um, and started renting out that apartment. Um, and it was cash flow positive. <clears throat> we started saving money for our next rental property. Um, and I guess this is one thing that I really like to share with your listeners. When you're coming from a low liquidity situation, um, which is where we were coming from, right? I had college debt. Um, we had W two jobs. We had we we're paying off debt. We didn't have a lot of capital, right? So it's, sometimes it's it's easy to like listen to people who own a bunch of rental properties, and and just feel like that'll never be you. And the way that I try to explain it to people is, it's kind of like be, building wealth, specifically building wealth through real estate investing is like a freight train. It takes a lot of energy and effort and time to get it moving. But mm -hmm. once it does, it's very, very hard to stop. Nice. So, um, you know, so it took us 18 months of counting our pennies, saving uh, paycheck to paycheck, enough money uh, to save $22,000 to buy our second rental property. So our first rental property, my wife bought with an FHA loan. We borrowed money from her 401k to do it. Um, and we closed on that property with about 40 bucks in the bank. Nice. Fast forward, you know, 18 months of saving. That was in 2017. 2019, after 18 months of saving, we had 22 grand. We put 11% down on our second owner-occupied property. And when we closed on that property, we had about 40 bucks in the bank again. So um, here we are. We own two rental properties and we're still broke. Um, but uh, shortly after that second property, I was working for the Department of Defense. So I'll, I'll come back to that story that I kind of put a pin in. Working for the Department of Defense and my wife uh, got pregnant. Um I fell asleep at the wheel one morning because I, I had a 110 mile commute. It was about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours, one way to work. Yeah. I had to be there at like 5 a.m. So I was leaving the house at quarter of three. Um, it, was, it was a little crazy and I was drowsy driving. Fell asleep at the wheel, did not crash, um, but it was scary. You know, it startled me. <clears throat> It was the first time I'd had this experience, kind of the rumble strip experience, if you will, with these fresh, I'm going to be a father um, thoughts running through my mind. And on my way to work that day, I was just thinking about the fact that it wasn't a super healthy lifestyle. I wasn't seeing my wife very much. I wasn't going to see my child very much. Um, and I drafted a big long email to my wife on, on why we should, uh, why I should leave my W2 job, my safe, stable W2 job and um, become a real estate agent. So, and a, and a full-time, full-time investor and agent. So I, I, I spent about a week and a half writing this email, right? Thinking about it. I was so nervous to share this idea with my wife because uh, it seemed crazy. Um, and it was so refreshing when I finally hit send on that email 
from work, got home that night, and my wife said to me, um, I think this is a great idea. I can't believe it took you so long to realize this. I'm, I'm sick of you not, not being home and having long hours, and you're going to be great. You're going to do great. Of course you're going to do great. Wow. Um, and I had read a statistic from the National Association of Realtors that said um, 70% of real estate agents earn less than 10 grand after taxes and expenses. And I, I, I told my wife that I'm like, honey, you know, it's very possible that this is not going to go well, you know, um, that we're not going to make much money. Um, I need you to be okay with me making $0 for 12 months, but this is a business that takes a lot of time to get up and off the ground. And again, my wife was so encouraging. She said, you know, Sure, 12 months, no income, we're fine. We had done the math. We knew that we could afford to live off our rental properties and my wife's nursing income. She said, sure, 12 months. But I want you to know that that statistic doesn't apply to you. She said that it, that, that statistic isn't you. She said, you've, you've always been successful. Um, you've, never, um, you've never been the least common denominator in anything that you've tried. Um, so, so don't don't take on this statistic as if it applies to you. Cause it doesn't, you know, um, you're going to do great. She kept just saying, you're going to do great. Um, so really a lots of encouragement from my wife, lots of encouragement from my wife, got my real estate agent license in 2019, October of 2019. And in 2020, we bought three rental properties. 2021, we bought three rental properties 2022, uh, we've bought one rental property so far and we're under contract on two more. Um, so that's kind of the, the broad scope of um, how we got here. Um, if you want to jump back into it later on, we can talk about um, liquidity, right? I mentioned the fact that, you know, we didn't have a lot of liquidity when we were starting out um, and, you know, we still managed to buy three rental properties the year after I quit my job and three more the next year. So if you want to learn a little bit about how we're able to get some of that liquidity, we can jump back into that. But that's where we are today, practicing real estate agent um, and, uh, and, and full-time investor. So, wow. Yeah. That's incredible, man. Like, especially from like the angle of like, you know, just being like super scared to kind of like, you know, present that idea to your wife and like, you know, what, like, what's she going to think? Cause like, you know, that's, that's a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you yeah. know, like if that support was going to be there, like kind of how that idea was going to be taken. And, um, that's, that's absolutely incredible, man. You know, like just to be able to have that like unwavering support of like, you know, like that statistic doesn't belong to you, you know, like that's just the number, like that's not you. You know, that's I feel really, really fortunate in that I'm involved in a lot of investment communities. Right. Um, and a lot of times you see questions on forums and on Facebook of, from real estate investors saying, you know, how do I get my spouse on board? Right. Yeah. How do I convince my spouse that I'm not crazy? How do I, you know, and the thing for me that has been, I, I've just been really fortunate, you know, my, my spouse has been, you know, the, the primary encouragement um, in, in really encouraging me to go for this. Um, yeah. So that's just, it's been wonderful. I've never really had that um, push-pull type of relationship um, because she's just been, she's been really supportive from day one.
That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So after like, you know, buying a couple of those properties, what was it that kind of, um, you know, kind of drove you to take on like the real estate agent, um, you know, kind of role? Was it to kind of like stay in the business like all the time or like, you know, maybe like a, a blend of like different things? Yeah, I think um, I knew I wanted to leave my W-2 employment for the Department of Defense. Yeah. And I didn't know. Uh, it was the only other thing I was good at. You know, I I was I was on my lunch breaks at the Department of Defense. I, I was teaching other other colleagues of mine about real estate investing, how to buy real estate, why they should buy real estate. So it was like the thing I was already doing for free, right? So I figured, hey, if I if I would do it for free, why wouldn't I do it for money? This is um, my daughter's out here screaming in the background. So if you hear her, what's going on? So she's on her first podcast. Yeah, she's on her first podcast. Aww. Aspen, her famous baby. Hello. Her famous. What's her name? Her name is Aspen Dawn Knox. Ah, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, make sure you watch the uh, the YouTube version of this so you can see Riley's daughter. She is very cute. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's our story, man. Um, so I just I thought, why don't I do the one thing that I would do for free um, for money? Yeah. Wow. Like that just like I was saying before, you know, like just that. um Ah, that's that's just incredible <laughs> you know so yeah i mean like if you wouldn't mind you know I, i'd love to kind of like you know jump back into like you know kind of like the liquidity side of things and was yeah. it just kind of more or less you know like picking up those first couple properties and did they like appreciate it all like did you use any like home equity lines or like yeah. just kind of saving up money and you know just kind of saving yeah. up <laughs> great question great question so um liquidity First two properties um, were just pinching pennies, pinching pennies from our jobs, right? Well, then you start to get a little bit of a snowball, right? Just like the Dave Ramsey style debt snowball, the yep. same thing works on income, right? Once, when you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're only making exactly what you're spending, you save zero dollars, right? Yeah. But if you can save and invest one more dollar than you earn, right? Then, then all of a sudden your income is out in front of your expenses. And as that grows, if you can keep your expenses fixed, it becomes a little bit exponential, right? So we've invested, like, I'll give you an example. We've invested uh, just shy of $500,000 of cash into real estate deals, right? Yeah. My wife and I have not earned $500,000 since we got married, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it, so the properties are buying more properties, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, you've made it when your houses buy you houses and your cash flow buys you cash flow, right? So um, now saying all of that, let me backpedal a little bit and really give credit to a capital infusion event that we had um, that was creative. And let me preface this with, <clears throat> saying that I don't always love to share this. And this is why, uh -huh. because I want to encourage people to understand that this is available to them, right? That anyone um, 
with any level at all of discretionary income can create this um, real estate freight train of wealth building. Furthermore, someone with no capital can also build this wealth machine. So I'm going to share a story with you about um, a, an opportunity that we had that some people may interpret this by saying, mm, he got a lucky break. I don't have a lucky break. Therefore, it's not possible for me. And, and to that, I would just say there are opportunities all around us. Um, so we just want to have the education and, and and be in the position to take advantage of that opportunity. Because mm -hmm. um, the reality is, um, and, and I, there's a whole bunch of famous quotes around this, but um, luck comes to those who are prepared to take advantage of it, right? Um, I believe that opportunities present themselves to everybody and not everybody capitalizes on them, right? So anyway, I'll share my story. Uh, shortly after we got our real estate agent license, my real estate agent license, I had some relatively quick successes. My wife had predicted and had a pretty good first year in the business. <clears throat> so some of our capital came from that, right? Um, and that's where the capital came from to purchase our third property, uh, which was a three unit uh, in Augusta. It was a great property. We ended up demoing completely one of the units down to the studs. That was a whole nother learning experience. But <laughs> while we were under contract for that property, my grandfather's over here uh, in a lawn chair laughing at me because he, <laughs> uh, he was around. He was around for that demo that I told him would take 30 days. It took six months. Um, so while we're under contract for our third property, uh, we had moved out of our second investment property, right? I, I skipped a few details. My <laughs> wife was pregnant and that, and that's why I quit my W2 job. Unfortunately, she miscarried that child, um, about two days before my last day at work. Um, so that kind of threw a whole new turmoil, you know, there's trauma, um, there's grieving. And, and, and I also course corrected my life to prepare to be a father. And now we're no longer going down that road. You know, we, we've had the miscarriage. So that was a bit of turmoil. So um, we go down to Florida. We had, we had moved out of that apartment and we were actually house sitting for my grandparents who were uh, snowbirding in Florida for the first time. And we weren't very good house sitters because they invited us to come down to Florida and we went down, right? And my grandfather ran across a man probably 20 or 25 years ago that explained to him that he sold his house and got to continue to live in it, right? And this really intrigued my grandfather. What had happened with this other man was somebody bought his home and, and gave him a life estate to continue to live there, right? The man was older. And the person buying his home was completely content to just buy it now, but not have rights to it until after the seller died. So this man had shared this story with my grandfather. And for the last 20 years, my grandfather has been telling people, um, somebody buy my house and let me live in it. Somebody buy my house and let me live in it, right? You can buy the house, but it comes with me. <laughs> and he had already offered the house to his three children, my mother and 
her two siblings and he had already kind of meant offered it to to them right nobody was really interested and he was offering to sell the house at a discount and nobody was really interested right yeah so at this point we're living in the house with my grandparents but they're in florida snowboarding we're house sitting for them so i go down to florida and with my wife uh and and we we hang out with my grandparents down there and i had a conversation with my grandfather i'm like so what do you what do you really want what are you trying to do and my grandmother pipes up and says I want to die in this house. I want to live here till the day I die. And that's what I want. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Her position was very clear. Her goal was very clear. My grandfather said, well, they're on, they're on social security fixed income, right? The house is paid off, but, um, you know, there's no discretionary income there to do things like fix the roof, fix the septic, um, even paying the taxes can be really stressful, right? So, you know, he's like, look, we can't really afford the house uh, long term. There's repairs and maintenance. These things are going to come up. We're not going to have the money for it. But we like the house and we want to live here. Um, we want to live here forever. And he said, I want I want um, 60 grand. There's a, there's a trailer for sale down here in Florida next to our friend's. For $35,000, I want to buy that. And I'd like to have another five grand to buy a car if mine dies for some reason, right? And, you know, some discretionary income. I said, really? And they said, and of course, the house comes with us. I mean, we're staying, you know? So whatever you got to do to figure that out, we're not <laughs> leaving, but we'll sell the house. So I, I ended up saying, well, how about 40? I'll give you 40 grand for the house. You can keep the lot next door, the, the lot you actually see behind me right here, right? It's just a building lot. It's probably worth 40 grand. So I said, you keep that. I'll give you 40 grand for the house. So what we ended up doing, and the only reason we were able to capitalize on this opportunity, right, is because we have a business that invests money and generates really good returns through rental properties, right? So we bought the house, <clears throat> For, um, we actually bought the house for about $200,000, right? Then my grandparents turned around after closing and just gave us the 160 back, right? <laughs> so we go from here a pretty low liquidity situation to a pretty high liquidity situation. Now I've got 160 grand of cash. Um, my wife and I have purchased a home that we live in. We also live in it with my grandparents. So we're a multi-generational family and we have this liquidity. Now I had done out the math and the house was gonna cost me taxes, mortgage, insurance, repairs, heat, electricity. It's gonna cost me about 14 grand a year to own the home, right? So we took this 160 grand, we bought a few more rental properties and generated about $50,000 a year in cash flow. So now we have a house. My grandparents have financial security for the rest of their life. I mean, they're pretty much on payroll, right? Um, they, they have attached themselves to us financially. Uh, we've got a business that has created a cash flow positive situation. Plus, we increased our cash flow position by about 35 grand a year in cash flow, right? So, and, and I really want to, to, to take a minute to just explain why this works. Yeah. My grandparents had a problem. They didn't have enough money to continue to repair their home. They had an asset. 
their home. They didn't want to sell the asset because they need the asset, right? So they had a problem. They also didn't have the education or the knowledge to figure out how to invest their equity and live off of it, right? I had a solution. I have a business. I understand how to invest money. So we were able to truly, truly, truly create a win-win situation. Um, my, my grandparents have financial security for the rest of their lives. My wife and I have accelerated our wealth building journey and they're on, they're on the freight train, they're passengers and they know it, you know, they know that they've helped us create massive success. Yeah. Quick, quicker than we would have created it on our own. In all reality, we were heading down this road. This deal with my grandparents gave us a year, a two year boost maybe um, in, in getting the train moving like rocket fuel, if you will. <laughs> But they're incredibly proud of the fact that they were able to help us create a better life for ourselves. And because they live with us, they're part of that life. We've created a better life for us and a better life for them. Yeah. Um, so that was our creative deal. Um, and that's one of the few creative deals that we've done. And um, that's really, yeah. So I just want to encourage your audience. You know, we didn't, we didn't do anything shady. We didn't take advantage of every, anyone. We listened. We listened to what their need was and we provided a win-win solution. And there are more opportunities like that than you might think around you. Um, you know, and most of us, when we look for opportunity, we look, we look towards rich people and we say, what can I get, right? And I would encourage you, if you're looking for opportunity, um, Look at somebody who might be in need and say, what could I give? You know, yeah. because there might be opportunity. There's opportunity everywhere. Everybody has a problem. And if you can be a resourceful person, um, you can maybe maybe create a solution for that problem that will also benefit you. I love that so much, man. That's beautiful. No, seriously, like, you know, just to be able to to provide, you know, like a solution like that. Like you said, you know, like it, it was like beyond a, a win-win situation for everybody. And like, you know, it's like you created something that's, you know, just going to keep growing for generations and generations. And like, like literally everybody won. And like, that's yeah, something that truly, truly. I mean, before we did this deal, we had a couple of rental properties, but we were broke and they were broke. Right. And now um, we are wealthier and they are wealthier. Um, so it, it, it's a, it truly is a win-win situation. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. And like, that's something that I love about real estate too, man, is like that type of thing is like so possible. Like you said, like the opportunity is, is always out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like just a matter of being able to kind of recognize it as it comes and just be able to take action on it and, you know, just kind of like respond to it, you know, and just kind of yeah. like act, act on it. I heard something last, last week that I'll, I'll just share somebody, somebody was sharing with me. Um, actually, you know who it was? It was it was Ryan Serhant that was sharing. Nice. <laughs> and he was saying, when you listen to someone, a lot of times people have a tendency to listen to reply, right? And he said, and that's the natural flow of a conversation. You say something, I say something. You say something, I say something. Instead of listening to reply, listen to respond. Ah. It's a subtle difference. Yeah, it's a subtle difference. But if you will listen to respond, um, 
you'll have better, you'll have richer relationships and you'll find more opportunities. That's interesting. I think that's super cool. Thanks. I didn't come up with it. It's Ryan came up with it. <laughs> no, it's like especially like like those kind of things. Like it's just something like, you know, it's like it sounds so basic, but it's so real. You know what I mean? And like I love like hearing stuff like that. You know, and and just kind of like you know human interaction and communication and like even you know just kind of like how things boil down to like tonality and like body language and like the way you phrase things and like yeah it's that's something that's extremely interesting you know and like it's um i feel like the more you kind of like look into you know certain aspects of like human communication and like you know people throughout history that were extremely good at it and um you know some of the traits and stuff in there you know are are a lot more possible to just kind of develop over time you know and just kind of pick up on it and you can learn to do the same thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and hey, let me tell you, I'm not an expert in this by any means, right? Um, <laughs> this is one situation in my life where uh, being a good listener really worked out well. Um, yeah. I got a long way to go, and I think we all do, so. You're right, and, and that's the fun part, you know? But to be able to, like, you know, constantly be learning, like, this early in the journey is, is absolutely huge. Yeah. You know, like the more that you can learn that like everybody can learn, like, like even like right now, you know, like if you're, you know, like regardless of what age you are, or whatever your situation is, like, you know, in the bigger picture, like you could be in this real estate investing game for the rest of your life, you know, whatever that may look like. Yeah. But like, you know, this could still be extremely early for, for most people, you know, right, and right. yeah, I, I completely agree. And it even it rolls over to the real estate agency business, you know, uh, it, it, it would be easy to just think like, oh, how can I get a sale? What can I do to sell a house? I got to sell a house. I got to sell a house. That's ultimately what I get paid paid from, right, is selling houses. Yeah. But I, I've kind of taken a completely different approach and I've said, how can I teach people how mm -hmm. to make wise real estate decisions, whether yep. that's their single family home or their multifamily investment property? How can I just educate and share and listen and solve problems for people? And, you know, that's that's done my business really well. Yeah. Um, and I've lost deals. You know, I, I've, I've lost deals and I've I've let clients go because it was more beneficial for them to work with another agent or work somewhere else. And I just I think that doing the right thing and listening to other people has a tendency to, to work itself out better in the end. I definitely agree. And that's something that I totally value, too, man, is like. Like, so, like, I've never really been, like, the salesy, like, kind of type. I mean, like, our licenses, I, I, I assume they have licenses in Maine, right? Like, I, yeah, I don't know yeah. what that what that looks like, but, you know, like, on the license, it says, like, you know, Massachusetts or Maine, like, salesperson. And, like, for me, like, you know, just, like, a little tick in my head, like, it drives me crazy because I'm, like, I don't, I never wanted to be a sales guy. It says it on my license, yeah. but that's not what I want to be. You know, I, I totally agree with you, man, like if you're out there like you know just wanting to teach and like you know like change people's lives like for real like like that's that's really what what matters you know and like that's what's gonna build you that you know sustainable business over time and like literally just like the genuine value and and giving and everything and you know like just the more that you give especially you know from people like yourself you know that have had you know been around the multifamily space for a while and you know, done some really crazy things and like had all these experiences, you know, like good, bad and different. And, you know, just to be able to kind of share that and be like, hey, you know, 
Like you see that, you know, oil tank or like, you know, whatever, whatever yeah, the situation yeah. is in the basement, like that sill plate or something like that, you know, like, you know, there was something that happened to me in one of my properties. Like, you know, just kind of watch out for that. Like when we're walking through, you know, and it just, I feel like it goes so far, you know, like if you're just kind of like more of a teacher and like yeah, the yeah. universe just kind of has its way of, of coming back to you eventually, you know, and it just, yeah. yeah. I tell my clients all the time and my friends who buy investment properties, I, you know, and maybe I'll have to stop someday because my phone will never stop ringing. But <laughs> I tell my clients all the time, like, hey, if something comes up and you don't know what to do and you're freaking out and you're worried, don't worry by yourself. Give me a call. Chances are I've been through it or I know someone. Uh -huh. So just, just, yep. just pick up the phone and call, right? And I, I still love to take those phone calls. Um, one, because it's not me, right? So <laughs> else through a nightmare yeah to live yourself but you know a lot of these things i mean I, i've got a client I, I love her to death she's super super smart um friend of mine but occasionally um she'll get a hold of me like on a on a saturday right yeah she'll be like hey i've been dealing with this thing since monday i'm super stressed out i was crying and i'm like why didn't you call me on monday all you got to do is call this guy he'll fix it yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, so sometimes just, you know, there's a lot of people who've, who've given to me, who's given, who've given me shortcuts to where I want to get to, problems I want to solve. So if I'm able to be that shortcut for someone else, I just, you know, it, it's so, it's so, it's rewarding. It's rewarding. It I love the way you worded yeah. that too. Cause like, I, I've never like found a way to kind of word that, like, like one thing that I, you know, I'm really, really big about is like, I'm just so like appreciative and like, you know, thankful for like, you know, all like conversations that I've had with people like, you know, down to like a one on one level or like, you know, going for coffee or, or whatever, you know, and just like people answering like questions that I've had or, you know, like exactly, you know, sometimes you'll be freaking out about something and, and then like, you know, you shoot somebody else a quick text and be like, dude, like, it's literally fine. Like, just ask for an extension, you know, or, or like whatever the case is, you know, and like, it's like, it's that easy. And you, you know, don't know and you don't know. Exactly. You know, and it's, yeah, I, I just, I do. I really love the way you ordered that, man. Like, you know, just to, to be that like shortcut, you know, to be able to like help someone else, like, you know, give them like a, a step up, you know, when they're trying to climb up and you know, hopefully like, you know, an experience that, that you might've had, you know, and the experience that you got from going through that experience, you know, might be able to, to help them skip that altogether, you know, or like make it a heck of a lot easier and, you know, just, yeah, it's, I, I love it so much, man. That's cool. <laughs> so Riley, I wanted to ask you, man, so what is kind of your, your drive and your vision for the long term? That's a great question, man. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little unique. It's a little unique. Um, maybe it's unique. Maybe it's not. Um, listen, I, I really enjoy travel. Yeah. I really enjoy vacations. I, I'm a mountain climber, an ice climber. I love to be outside. I love my time freedom. But the real driving factor, and this is probably going to end up in the long story but when i married my wife um she was a cancer survivor right so 10 years ago my wife had a uh brain cancer um and she had so she was 25 years old 
went from perfect health to three grand mal seizures in a week and had emergency brain surgery a week later. Um, the, the specific, and this all happened prior to, prior to me meeting her. Yeah. But when we got married, it was right around the six or seven year mark um, after that surgery. And this, the specific type of cancer that she had was very, very likely to come back within seven to 10 years. So when we got married in the back of our head, we knew there was a high probability that there would be a round two with cancer. Yeah. My drive for the first several years of our marriage was really, um, hey, if my wife ends up in a hospital room for six months, I want to be in a position where I can be there with her, right? Yeah. I don't want to not be able to be there with my wife. So that 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 was my drive. If my wife needs me, I just, I don't want to have to go to work because if I don't, we're going to lose our house. I want to be able to live my values and be there with my wife. So, you know, fast forward, um, my wife's brain cancer uh, has not come back. It's been 11 years since that surgery. Uh, no more brain cancer. But um, my wife, um, and so I, I mentioned we had the miscarriage in 2019. In 2020, uh, my wife got pregnant again. Three days later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, here we are, round two with cancer, right? Yeah, My wife yeah. is a total champ. Breast cancer is super, super complicated to treat while you're pregnant, right? My wife's breast cancer was estrogen receptor positive, which means that it's nutrient, it's fuel, the thing that it eats to grow is estrogen. And my wife is pregnant and has an elevated estrogen level in her body. So just like the rocket fuel we got from my grandparents' financial uh, contribution to our wealth building journey, my wife had some rocket fuel for her cancer and it grew really, really quick. It was really, really aggressive. Anyway, we had this specialist, great medical team, oncology, phenomenal doctors. My wife decides uh, we're definitely having the baby. That's non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, even though it's risky, we're, we're definitely having the baby. Um, and she'll take her chances with the cancer, right? So we do this treatment. Um, and my wife's on chemotherapy her whole pregnancy. And um, hard to say whether it was a complication of the chemotherapy or another natural reason, but my wife... Uh, delivered our daughter at 28 weeks um, instead of 40 weeks um, in a very emergent fashion. She had an emergency C-section. It was very scary. <clears throat> our baby was two pounds. Uh, so about half the size of this water bottle when she was born. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, we were immediately rushed to the neonatal ICU in Portland, Maine. Um, we spent 67 days there with our daughter um and when you get there if for anyone who's never been to a NICU or been around a premature baby or um 
one of the things they tell you, you say, what can I do? What can I do? Right. Um, well, you can't feed your baby because it's getting fed through tubes and machines. Um, so they, they tell you, um, a lot of the research shows that the best thing for premature babies is skin to skin contact with their parents. So my wife and I, uh, for 67 days did not work. Um, food rotted in our refrigerator. Um, our car was left, you know, on, on the side of the road or in a parking lot somewhere. And our entire life came to a halt. Now my wife still had to go back and forth to chemotherapy, radiation, etc. This was all during chemotherapy, right? Uh, so this was all during COVID. So during COVID, if we leave the hospital and we get exposed to COVID-19, we can't come back and visit our baby for 14 days. So my parents quarantined with us. And for 67 days, the only people I saw were my parents and my wife saw her oncology team. Right? And we held that baby for seven to 14 hours a day for 67 days. Um, we got to live our values. Um, and what I mean by that is my value, as is most people's, was to be there for my family when they needed me the most. Yeah. And I got to live that value without compromise. Unfortunately, for some people, there is a conflict between their value and their re reality, right? Um, if you're not in a financial position and you don't have any passive income, right? Um, and you don't have any savings, when that happens to you, um, if you don't go to work, you might come home from the hospital with a baby, but no home. You might be homeless when you come home from the hospital, right? So there's a lot of good people, and we met a lot of good people in the NICU, good fathers, good mothers. Had to work. They had to work to, to, to pay for their home, to pay for their food for their other three children, right? To They just had to work. That was their reality. Um, and I'm so thankful that we've been fortunate enough and blessed enough. There were people in our lives uh, relationship capital is a real thing. There were people in our lives who poured into us both financially and emotionally and spiritually. They fed us, they housed us, uh, they cleaned our house, they got my car. Um, but you ask what drives me. I was asked a question last weekend at a conference. What is the premier no, what is, what, what is the peak experience of your life to date? And I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of really cool stuff, right? Yeah. I've been on road trips. I've been all over the country. I've climbed mountains. I've skied competitively. The peak experience of my life has been that when my family needed me the most, I was able to be there without compromise. That's what drives me. That's what drives me. You know, my wife, you know, fast forward, right? I'll, I'll tell you guys the end of the story. My baby's healthy, right? My baby uh, came home from the NICU. She's thriving. You just saw her, right? She's thriving. Uh, she's yeah. adorable. Best baby you've ever seen in your life. Um, <laughs> and my wife, um, 
is not currently battling cancer, right? They might say that she's in remission. That might be a word that they would use. Hasn't explicitly been used for us yet. Um, you know, but the reality is this. My wife's had cancer twice in a decade. Um, chances are they'll be around three at some point in our life. Uh, and when that day comes, we will be ready. Uh, we'll, we'll be ready financially. We'll be ready emotionally. We'll be ready spiritually. Uh, we have a lot of faith, uh, faith in God. And he has seen us through many journeys, many times. Um, and, hey, and, and, if, and if round three is in our future, we'll fight that fight. But outside of a cancer diagnosis, stuff's going to happen. My parents are going to die. My grandparents are going to die. Her parents are going to die, right? Um, we're going to have friends that go through the loss of children, divorces, medical situations, depression. Yeah. And when the people that I love uh, need me, I want to be there. That's just, that's me. That's, that's my drive. Um, now, we use our financial independence and our, and our resources and our freedom for a lot of other things too, um, for fun, for adventure, for exploration, um, for education. But um, as my as my good friend John would say, when feces hits the rotating oscillator, um, it's good to be it's, it's good to be in a strong financial position. So that's that's been the drive for me. And then you know that's why I wanted to create wealth. Outside of wealth creation, um, and just helping other people, helping individuals expand their reality from, you know, I mentioned we had no idea what real estate investing was, right? My wife grew up below the poverty line. I grew up lower middle class, probably, maybe middle class. Um, and I... Um, I didn't know some of these opportunities were out there, like a job, for example, right? I always thought that people worked for 40 years, put five to 10% of their income in a 401k and retired at 58 or 63 or however old you have to be to get social security. Yep. That's, that's what I thought, right? And now I, I live in a completely different world where I, I know tons of people who that's not their reality. Yeah. Um, so I, I just love to share with people, uh, listen to people, and, and really just um, help them, one, achieve their dreams, and two, dream even bigger. Dream of thoughts they haven't even had yet. Um, so yeah, that's me just trying to elevate the human experience that's beautiful man oh my goodness that's like <laughs> that's wow <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that, i don't even know what to say you know it's like that's so special man you know what i mean and like to be able to have you know to be able to to create that future you know that you envisioned like for you and your family you know through you know, doing something like real estate and, and investing and everything and, and to be able to, to just create that world, you know, that, that you needed to, you know, to, to be able to live the life that you want to. 
you know, is, is really special, you know, and that's, um, it's, it's touching. It, it really is. <laughs> wow. No, it, it's still, it's still humbling to me, you yeah. know, I'm not naive to the fact that I live in America, arguably the country with some of, with, with, with some of the most paths for upward movement in society. Yeah. Um, access to great medical care. Um, and I just feel blessed. I feel blessed. And I was born with some level of privilege. We are all born with some level of privilege. Um, but I am clothed. I am warm. I am well fed. I am well loved. My family's healthy. And yep. you know, there were other families. There were other families that we spent time with in the NICU that didn't have the same positive outcome that we had. You know, my heart breaks for them. Yeah. You know, it does. Um, I, so I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling blessed and I, I'm trying to give, give as much as I can. Uh, you know, we were given to, man, you know, this is something up. I'll just, we'll take a left turn here. Sure. <laughs> My wife and I have had financial success, you know, that's why we're on a podcast talking about real estate investing. Um, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer during her pregnancy, the love and support that was poured out to us completely overwhelmed us. And it was really weird. It was really weird to accept help, right? Because um, we are wealthier than a lot of the people who helped us. There were people who gave money. There are people who gave time. There are people who gave food. There are people who prayed for us. And it's, it's really humbling to accept money, a gift of money from people who want to love on us, even though we felt like, we had plenty of it. Yeah. The awkward spot to be in, right? Um, and it was really humbling, but I had to take a step back and realize that, like, that's what these people felt led to do in their hearts, right? So there was a GoFundMe started, and I think uh, right around $15,000 was donated to my wife and I and our daughter to help us through these challenges. And we have had tens of thousands of dollars of medical bills. Right. And we have been through some of these challenges. Yeah. And they've, and they've, they've eased some of the burden for us, but what we actually did, and I'll just share this because we felt so awkward about receiving $15,000 from people that um, made sacrifices to give us that money. Right. There are people who donated money to us that they didn't have, you know, um, they, they donated, uh, their last ten dollars to us in some in some scenarios, right? Um, we took that money uh, and we bought a rental property for my daughter um, and put it on a eighteen year. Or we put it on a twenty year mortgage that'll be paid off about the time she turns nineteen. So, um, you know, she can use that property. She can sell it. She can go to college with that money. She can keep it and use it to cash flow herself through her dreams. She can keep it and refinance it to get more money to start a business. 
she can do a lot of things with this rental property. Um, so that $15,000 that was donated to us uh, will grow over the next 20 years to, to probably, you know, well over half a million dollars, um, maybe even closer to a million dollars worth of um, opportunity fund for Aspen. Yeah. Um, that's just another idea. Like, hey, if you're thinking about how you're going to save for college or what you want to do for your child when they grow, um, that's an option. Buying a rental property is an option. That's and the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> it was the only thing that felt right to do, you know, yeah. uh, instead of, you know, it was that or give it all back. You know, we certainly weren't going to go out and buy a new car um, with, with the money that these people had so carefully donated. There's another girl, my goodness, we love her to death. Um, she had had a baby a few months before us. Our daughter needed breast milk, right? And at the hospital, they're, they, they're, they're given breast milk up to a certain point, 32 weeks maybe, 28 days after birth, right? It's paid for by the government or by insurance, right? But then it's not paid for, right? At that, at that 28th day, it stops getting paid for. Well, breast milk is extremely expensive. It's like six bucks an ounce. Wow. And our and our daughter was having like 24 ounces a day. So yeah. it was like two or 300 bucks a day to afford this milk, right? And we had a, a dear friend of ours who um, pumped uh, every day and donated uh, about six months worth of breast milk for, for Aspen. So, wow. Not even that, like talk about, I mean, health, right? She's giving our daughter the gift of health, a gift that truly um, money can't buy, you know? Um, it was healthy breast milk. She was literally giving of her her, her body, herself. Um, and we're not, uh, we're not naive to the sacrifice that that took. So, you know, just people, uh, people of all walks of life have poured love into us. And uh, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do in my life is... It's just pour love into people. I love that so much, man. And like, it's, it's like, it seems like it's, you know, kind of those moments in life that like don't come around that often where like, you just like, it, it's like, it's just all love. You know what I mean? And like, you know, in a case like that, you know, like people literally, like you said, you know, like they, they sacrificed and, you know, like gave you food and, um, you know, that woman as well. And, you know, and you just like feel like it's, I don't, I don't even know how to like put it into words like just that that feeling of like community and, and love and like you know being able to to do that for other people and everything too you know like it, it's almost like you know like nothing else like in the world matters you know like it's just like you know just doing good and like you know like making these people making things a little bit easier for them and like like who gives a crap about anything else you know and it's it's beautiful man you know like it's it's just the little things you know and I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's things that, that don't really come around that often, but when they do, you know, it's, it's kind of like an out of this world experience. You're, you know, and this is, this is what you're doing, man. You know, you're creating a community, uh, you're giving value, right? Nobody pays money to listen to your podcast or, 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 or get into your social content. Um, you're giving value for free to create a community. And that's the real thing. Our economy is very fickle, right? The dollar bill only has value because it has perceived value, right? Um, we're only safe here in America because 
nobody's there invade us for the last 50 years. You know, the reality is the world as we know it, our financial system, the economy, it really all could come crashing down tomorrow. Yeah. And if it does, and I'm not a doomsday guy, but if it does, <laughs> what we'll be left with is community, right? We'll be getting food from our neighbor's farm. Yep. Um, we'll be building houses for one another without exchanging money. Um, that's the reality of community. Um, community is so important to me. Um, the reality is relationship capital is a real thing. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I'll ask you a question, right? Uh, does it cost money to um, clothe your family, heat your home, and put food on the table? Yes. All right. I love that answer because I'm going to argue with you, right? Unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I think that I have provided enough value to other people over the course of my life that if I lost everything tomorrow, let's say I just made a, a bad bet on Dogecoin, right? Yeah. Uh, I lost it all, my house, everything. I don't have a dime to my name. I got about six people in my phone. Maybe, maybe more, probably, probably more. I'm, I'm discrediting my relationships if I don't say more. I probably got 60 people in my phone that I could call tomorrow and say, hey, I got nothing. I need housing, shelter, heat. And they put me up in a heartbeat, yep. you know? Um, so relationship capital is a real thing. Um, you know, and I got plenty of people who let me work uh, for housing, right? Because uh, they know they know my work ethic, um, so I just you know we we put so much. Sometimes when we think about wealth building, right? Because that's what a lot of us real estate guys are trying to do is build wealth. There's a whole other avenue to wealth that's that's relationships, and if yeah. you have rich relationships with high quality people, um, you'll you'll never be in need. Never be in need. So let's just, you know, give value, give value, give value. You'll never know when you might need some. I love that, man. Like it's, it's those things that, um, those things that aren't really tangible, you know, that, that mean the most, you know, and like, like we were talking about earlier, like the love and the giving and the relationships, like, I mean, you know, it, it's it's certainly a, a real thing, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, but it's not necessarily something that's like, you know, you could like see in front of you. I, I mean, I don't know how to word this, what I'm trying to say, but, you know, it's just like it's some of those things that really have the most impact like inside, you know, that they really mean the most. And it's, um, yeah, you know, like if you boil everything down to the things that like actually matter, like just keep boiling things down until like you get to like the ver the the very, very small like like molecules of, you know, why, you know, you do the things that you want to do and, you know, feel the way you do and, and try and create that vision. Like there was a there was another investor that I had on the show, uh, probably like a month ago. And his name was Gordon Thornton. And uh absolutely phenomenal guy. I love you to death, Gordon. And one of the things that uh that he was saying 
was literally like along the same vein is if you boil down absolutely like everything and, and you know, everything at all that, that humans desire, it all boils down to love. Like if you just keep boiling it down and boiling it down and boiling it down until there's literally like nothing left more often, I mean, more likely than not, you know, you'll, you'll come down to, to love or, or something very similar. Yeah. Something very similar. If you talk to psychologists, right. Why do people have eating disorders? Why do people um, have sleep disorders? Why do people get divorced? Why do people become serial killers? You go all the way back down. Yep. It's almost always they're trying to, they're trying to fill something in their heart. Yeah. And, 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 and it's love. It's love, you know? So, and, and love, the thing about love is it, it, it can be reciprocated, right? Um, you can, if you, if you don't feel that enough people love you, try loving them, you know? Yep. It's so true, man. It is like the, the mentality and like just the mindset behind it is, is extremely interesting. Man, I love the, I love, I love where this went. You know, we started. Me with too. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, but I think uh, you're, there's got to be a why, right? There's no, there's no sense in getting wealthy in a bubble. Yep. Real estate itself is like, you know, it's just a, it's just sticks. Yeah. <laughs> sticks yeah you're top, right. You know, it's um, than that. you know, so at the end of the day, there's got to be a why there's got to be a why. And I, I know, I know plenty of wealthy depressed people yep um, i know plenty of broke depressed people um you know and i i, I know plenty of broke people who are r- rich who are living rich lives I mean, like all right um i i don't know jeff bezos right but until he retired man the last 25 30 years of his life looks like a lot of work yeah, I want to be Jeff Bezos. The guy has a mega yacht. I'm like, I don't know. He's standing in front of Congress every two weeks. I don't want to stand in front of Congress. So don't envy, don't envy someone's life until you really understand it, right? Yeah. You know, you say Jeff Bezos. Do I want to be Jeff Bezos? No, I don't. You know, Jeff Bezos had a divorce. I I don't want a divorce. I'm very happily married. Um, you look at the flip side of that, right? One of my ideal heroes is the is the ski bum, right? Uh, I know a girl who makes minimum wage, uh, lives in Colorado, skis, uh, ski patrol, right, all winter long at these beautiful resorts, uh, mountain bikes, mountain bike coaches all summer long, and you know she never makes more than twenty five or thirty grand a year. Um, but she's living a rich life. Yeah. I, I might argue that she's living a way richer life than Jeff Bezos, at least when he was working, at least yeah. before. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and I guess, and I know we're coming to a close here, so I'll leave, I'll leave your audience with this. <laughs> I, I do a little bit of coaching. And um, this is an exercise that I really love to walk people through. Yeah. How much is enough? How much is enough, right? And why do I know so many, why, why do I see so many massively financially successful people who are not happy, who are not healthy, 
right? How much is enough? And and my, I think that everybody's answer to that question has to be different and it has to come from within. So this is the way that my wife and I try to answer this question and it might be a worthwhile exercise for your audience. In the absence of money, if money ceases to exist and everywhere you go, everybody says yes. Yes, you can ride that plane. Yes, you can eat that. Yes, you can go there. Yes, you can have that house. Yes, you can talk to that person. Yes, you can have this experience. If nothing is off limits for you, nothing, how do you fill your 24-hour day? How do you fill your seven-day week? What do you do with your 52-week year? And what do you do with your life, right? What does your ideal life look like in the absence of money? Answer that question. Write it down. What does your day look like? What does your morning look like? What activities do you do? What kind of food do you eat? Do you drive? Do you not drive? What, what do you do? Then, and only then, only once you've answered question one, question two, how much does that cost? Then just start adding up dollars and cents, right? Uh, and what we did, my wife and I thought like, oh, we need to have $100 million before we'll be like, we have 100 million bucks, we'll be happy, right? Well, when we did that exercise, what we realized is like, what we actually really, really value, we really, really value travel, so that costs some money. We really, really value being outside, hiking, eating healthy food, that costs some money, right? Um, but we don't actually value expensive cars, expensive jewelry. It's just like, it's not, even if we were unlimited wealthy, I, we wouldn't really buy expensive jewelry. It's just not our thing. Right. Yeah. And what we did when we, when we backed that all out, we came to wait, it's actually a lot less expensive to live our perfect ideal life than we thought it was going to be. Right. Now it's still expensive, right? We came in around 14 million bucks, right. Um, that it would cost to live our dream life. Um, but not a hundred billion, right? So um, answer the question, answer question one, because if you don't have an answer to what you would do with unlimited financial resources, even if you get unlimited financial resources, you won't live your best life. You won't be happy um, because you've got to ask yourself, opportunities are available to me what do i do with my life yeah you can't answer that question it, it does you no good to be unlimitedly wealthy right so that's why so many people win the mega bucks win the lottery are successful actors and then unfortunately drain all their wealth away don't increase their happiness die in an overdose i mean the rich and the poor suffer alike right yeah and happiness does not track with wealth creation so um be happy now at with your with your current existence change all of the things that you're unhappy with and be excited about the future um but we cannot all chase um not all chase riches um because one, they, they can't all be attained. And two, um, 
just—it's a never-ending. There's no finish line. There's no finish line. Yeah. So, um, I would just—I uh, read a book recently called *The Gap in the Gain*, and it talks about happiness. If you believe that happiness has to be chased, it's like the horizon in the desert. The closer you get, the close, the farther it moves, right? So you've got to determine in your heart how to be happy today. Um, and one of the best ways to do that is to look back, right? Rather than looking forward at all the things that are missing from your life, look backwards at all the things that you have. When I was born, I was naked, hungry, old, presumably, right? <laughs> uh, and, and, and only had one relationship in my life. One. That was with my mother, right? Yeah. Arguably with God as well, right? And look at me today. I'm fed, warm, clothed, healthy. I can do all kinds of things. I can go all kinds of places. I have an abundance of relationships and an abundance of experiences. So if you look back at all the things you've gained from the day you were born, a good framework from which to uh, start experiencing your happiness. Yeah. I love that so much, man. Like that, like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like that, that hits me in, in such a, a special place right now, man. Like I got some work to do. Like that's going to keep me up tonight. Like that, the, that past like, <laughs> like 20 minutes, man. Like seriously. Have you read the gap in the gain? I haven't. I think I've heard somebody recommend it, but I haven't checked it out. I will though. It's good. It's a good book. So. Wow. That's huge, man. That's, that's game changing. Oh my goodness. I, I have a hard time. I, I never stay on real estate very long when I talk on these <laughs> no I, I love it man seriously like because it's like I love it especially like you know like when you know doing like interviews and stuff like when they this is what I'm talking about like this is what I absolutely love man is like when you just like throw away all the questions and like you just get real man you know like yeah real it's just like yeah <laughs> it's one vehicle to wealth creation and wealth is just one vehicle to designing a lifestyle yeah right before wealth uh when people wanted a nicer home they just went down and they just went and cut down more trees yeah right so wealth is just um one vehicle and real estate is just another vehicle to get you there um so yeah i mean i i know people who are crushing it in crypto i know people who are crushing it in e-commerce um and i also know people uh who have no financial aspirations who are also just living their best lives. Yeah. Yeah. Live your best life. That's one thing that your audience can do for me is live their best life. Amen, man. Wow. So Riley, I did want to ask you one more question, man. So what is your favorite real estate business or like entrepreneurship, like book or, or podcast that you would recommend to anyone if you had to pick one? (laughs) I've already plugged the gap in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say um, Jamie Gruber has a podcast uh, called the Tribe of Millionaires podcast um, where he interviews millionaires. Nice. Uh, millionaires who are committed 
to abundance in multiple areas of their life, including health, relationships, genuine contribution um, to the world around them, to society. Um, so, yeah, Jamie Gruber, Tribe of Millionaires, highly recommend that podcast. It'll, and that's not a, um, that is not a industry specific podcast, right? I listen oh, to a nice. boatload of real estate podcasts, but that podcast is interviewing people from all all walks of life. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to check that one out. It sounds like a really cool one. Yeah. Sweet, man. But yeah, so I, I usually ask too for uh, any like, you know, contact information or like social media or like, like email, like anything, <laughs> anything that you want to give at, at all for anything, man. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to drop it below. Yeah, so we chatted um, before the podcast actually about the fact that I'm I'm pretty much a digital hermit. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and if you send me a message, I will respond. So Riley Knox on Facebook, um, and then my uh, my personal email Riley R Y L E E dot Knox K N O X nine six at Gmail. Um, if you drop me an email there, I will respond. I respond to all my emails. So. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on here, Riley. This was absolutely incredible, man. It, it really was a pleasure to, to have you on. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets.